Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Mary Badham played the original Scout Finch in the 1962 Hollywood classic To Kill a Mockingbird. And she returns in a different role as the Broadway version opens at the Kennedy Center starting today in Washington, D.C. I spoke to Badham about the play and her childhood memories of the movie set, from Gregory Peck becoming her real-life father figure to visiting Harper Lee in the nursing home and the enduring power of lines like Hey Boo and Hey Mr. Cunningham. Mary Badham, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOB. This is an honor. Oh, well, thank you for having me. We're talking because you are starring in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird at the Kennedy Center, June 21st through July 10th. And this is it's just so amazing to chat with you because, of course, you played the original Scout in the original 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird, along with Gregory Peck. There's so much I want to ask you, you know, memories about the movie, but we got to start with the Kennedy Center because that's the newest thing. So um, obviously you're not playing Scout this time. What role are you playing uh, in this time around? I'm playing Mrs. DuBose. All right. And what, so what, what's it like playing, not only playing that role, but also, you know, looking across the stage and seeing another child actor, you know, playing the role that you made famous? <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. It really has. It's been a real learning experience for me. Uh, theater is something totally new to me. And of course, Melanie Moore playing Scout, she is just brilliant. She's absolutely perfect, and uh, I, I couldn't be more pleased with the whole entire cast. They've just been so magnificent. Oh yeah, it's, and speaking of which, we got We got to mention that the legendary role of Atticus Finch is played by. Richard Thomas, uh, of course, John Boy from the Waltons. He was just recently in Ozark. Uh, we we interviewed him a couple years ago when he was at the Kennedy Center, um, I think for, what was it, The Humans maybe? But um, anyway, so he's leading this national tour. Obviously, well, I guess it was Jeff Daniels played it on Broadway, but just talk about what, you know, Richard Thomas in this thing. I mean, is, I mean, is it amazing watching him do it night in and night out? It is. He, he is so brilliant with it. Um, and and he would have been my first choice for an Atticus because I just feel like he embodies all of that. Uh, and he just has, has done a perfect job with it. Um, audience have been wonderful with their reception of what we're giving them. And uh, I just uh, have had a lot of fun with it. 
Definitely. And we need to remind everybody, this is the the new, uh, you know, the stage adaptation that I guess Aaron Sorkin adapted it from, you know, Horton Foote wrote the movie screenplay, of course, from Harper Lee's novel. But Aaron Sorkin sort of brought it to stage a couple years ago on Broadway with uh, Tony winning director Bart Scher. Um, do you uh, so where does this fall? I mean, obviously, you weren't in the Broadway production, right? But you joined on with with the national tour. Is that right? Yeah, I went. Um, I went to see the the Broadway production and was just totally overwhelmed by it. It was so brilliantly done, uh, and of course, Aaron is just oh, he's a magnificent writer. He's just incredible, um, and uh, never thought to be part of it at all. Um, and then they called and, and kept asking, uh, you know, about doing it. And I didn't think it would happen. I was totally um, unsure about doing the part and had to consider long and hard doing it because it is such a, a, a different role for me. Um, but uh we finally met in New York and uh, did the rehearsals and they seemed to be pleased with my take on Mrs. Dubose and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> here you are touring the country and we can't wait for it to stop in DC at the Kennedy Center. Such an iconic building too. So it's going to be awesome having this powerful story there. Well, you know, without further ado, our listeners are, you know, they're dying to hear, um, you know, your memories of, you know, your chi famous child role. I mean, we all know Scout. We've watched Scout. We probably all saw it first, you know, in school or something, but I've seen the movie a million times and I love it so much, but I, I would love to hear some memories. Um, I'll try to divide it up for you so, to keep it organized. So we'll get to Gregory Peck and Duvall and them in a second. But first, off the bat, I want to know about you and your fellow, you know, the camaraderie with your fellow child stars. You know, you had Philip Alfred as Jem and John uh, as Dill, John Megna, I think how you say it. Um, mm -hmm. just, uh, yep. What was it like? I mean, you guys kind of grew up together on set, but what was it like just, you know, the, the camaraderie with the three of you guys as child stars just figuring this thing out? <laughs> Oh, well, it, you know, we just did our scenes uh, day by day, and um, we really, um, it was John and Philip against me. <laughs> you know, you got these two guys, and they're wanting to play and do their thing, and here's this girl that's, you know, trying to get in on the stuff, and, and uh, we had that uh, push-pull kind of uh, relationship that like brothers and sisters have uh so it it was it played very well on film uh because evidently according to philip we would have these knockdown drag out fights <laughs> but <laughs> fighting um, like I don't real really brothers remember and those fighting like brothers and sisters <laughs> yeah yeah you know and um it was, uh, but but overall, it was so much fun uh, doing it because it was playtime. It wasn't like work. It was just play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of you two, you know, you three playing and um, just the child, it's coming of age stuff. But was was the um was that ham, the Halloween costume at the end, you know, with Bob Yule's knife and all that stuff? Was that ham really heavy and, and you know, hard to, to act in? <laughs> Well, it was it was made out of uh, chicken wire and paper mache, and um, they uh, 
Whitey, our, our set manager, made it. And uh, I remember we had a press thing, like I was supposed to be helping paint it or something. Uh, of course, it was all done by the time I got there. Um, but Whitey wanted to try it on me to make sure it would fit okay. And when he did, of course, it went right down and I couldn't see out the eye port. So <laughs> he had to rig up a harness in there. Uh, and it it was um, so wide, it was a little difficult uh, to maneuver around in it very easily. But uh, we managed and uh it was it was fun oh yeah so you're saying it was a bad ham mary bad ham (laughs) (laughs) good one that's good yeah i don't know uh thanks for the courtesy laugh it wasn't that good (laughs) but i an iconic scene all right well i do i have to know about um you know working with gregory peck i mean atticus finch i think the american film institute named him the number one movie hero of all time beat out indiana jones you know all that stuff but i mean do do you agree i mean i mean do you agree that that lawyer you know that the 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 weight of the role that he plays i mean do do you agree that that you know gregory as atticus finch is you know as good as it gets (laughs) oh absolutely i mean what you saw up on screen is what we got at home because i would go home with the pecs on the weekend and um we became very very close um and uh, stayed friends right up until he passed. And um, he he was an Atticus. I mean, he really was. He uh, was just so kind and generous and so intelligent and well-read um, and just a real, very good role model for me. Um, I lost my parents very early in my life. My mother died three weeks after I graduated from high school and daddy died like two years after I got married. So I was only like, uh, well, I was 21 when I got married. So um, it, it really was great because he would take the time to pick up the phone and call me and say, you know, how you doing kiddo? What are, what's going on? And if he was going to be someplace close, he would send me a, a ticket or um, send a car to pick me up and, and join him for things. And um, whenever I was in Los Angeles, I'd go out to their house. And it was a, a very um, close relationship. He and Veronique really picked up where mother and daddy left off. Um, and, and they were very supportive and helpful in guiding my, me through my life, um, along with Brock Peters, who played Tom Robinson. Um, Brock and I did a symphony program together uh, with Gary Gackstetter and his symphony uh, in Kansas. Uh, where they played some pieces of music and then between the uh, pieces of music we would tell a little behind the scenes story not really retelling Mockingbird but just things that happen off scene um, 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 off camera 
And and so I tell people I had reverse Oreo daddies because I had my daddy and I had Gregory Peck and I had Brock Peters. And um, those three guys were my my male role models. They were absolutely brilliant. That's so cool that you stayed in touch with with all of them and, you know, the whole father figures or, you know, just these mentors to, to guide you through life. That's so fantastic. Can, can you actually remember shooting that famous scene, you know, sitting on that swinging that porch swing with with Gregory Peck when he's saying, you know, the famous, um, you know, you never understand a person until you get in their skin and walk around it for a while. Can you actually remember shooting? Oh, that scene? yeah, I remember it. I remember it very well. Um we we had such a hard time uh i i was having trouble crying mm. um because i was so happy and it was just you know fun and here i have to have this very serious you know scene <laughs> it was difficult i had to really uh figure out how to do that Wow. Yeah. It's all time stuff. Well, I mean, we mentioned Gregory Peck and you mentioned Brock Peters, um, but we got to mention Robert Duvall as Boo Radley because it was his very first role. I mean, Gregory Peck had done other stuff. You know, he was a star Roman holiday, et cetera, but for Robert Duvall, that was his first screen role. Um, And so uh, just talk about that working with him in that final scene where, you know, your famous line, Hey Boo, and you know, sort of realizing he's not the boogeyman that you thought all along, but you know, what what was Robert Duvall like, you know, as a young actor, uh, you know, working with, well, we really didn't get to know each other. I mean, we were only shot that one day together. Um, he, uh, I never, one of the brilliant things that Bob Mulligan, our director, did was we never saw anyone out of character uh, until they were all done shooting. We never saw them out of costume. Um, so I was leaving the set to go to the schoolroom, and there's this guy sitting on a bunch of pallets by the back door, and uh, he goes, aren't you going to say hey to Boo? I had no idea who he was, <laughs> because he was totally out of costume. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then, you know, now, I mean, then you go on to see him, you know, smell napalm in the morning and then, and the Godfather and all this stuff. And you're like, Hey, there's that guy that I didn't even recognize. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's he, he, um, he was, uh, and now he's, he's just, he lives like two hours away from me on a farm and he's here in Virginia wife, near here. Yeah. He's in Virginia and he and his wife have a, uh, foundation that they've started his wife is from south america and they've started a foundation for children uh uh and it's it's really wonderful they they've done some really good work oh yeah absolutely uh, well, you know, that scene with Boo, you know, we mentioned, everyone talks about the famous line, hey, Boo, and it is a powerful line. It's, you know, we realize, you know, you know, not to judge a book by its cover. He's not this scary recluse, you know, but um, but to me, the even more equally powerful line is is when you and you get to say it is is out out at the courthouse when you say, hey, Mr. Cunningham. And suddenly the guy mm -hmm. with the pitchforks, which, you know, I've seen in some productions, you know, they're in KKK hoods and, and in the movie it's just pitchforks. But, um, you know, talk about how powerful of a moment that is where just the innocence of a child just totally disarms this guy and, and actually makes him ashamed of what he's doing. 
Well, it's, you know, it's making them think and realize, you know, when you, when you put a group of people together in a mob, they lose their individuality and they don't hold true to their real beliefs. Um, and, and what Scout does is she makes them remember their humanity mm-hmm. and their individuality. And they, she changes that dynamic um, to where they back off. Um, and this is, is something that um, I think is, is one of the most powerful pieces uh, of the film. Um, because it's a good good life lesson Absolutely. when you get group collective uh thinking it's it's not not uh always correct right it's so um yeah just to disarm like that like you said the mob mentality and you know i don't want to make it too political but you know it could apply to you know storming the capitol on january 6th or whatever name an example i mean if we had if we had a scout just to say hey mr cunningham maybe you wouldn't be storming into buildings and you know violent stuff like that you know yeah it's you know i think that's why i mean my goal with going with this play and and having the play happen is very important to our country to to remind us of who we are and what we want for our country um you know and that we have to love one another and we have to take care of one another um we have to educate our people um that's very important and to to remember that people are individuals no two people have had the same experiences uh they have not had the same um values uh you know so we have to take them as an individual and lift them up and and that's what i hope for this is that we can join our country together and make it stronger and better and and happier uh i want i want america to be a loving happy country uh that cares about its individual people and that um that we all and it it's it's like a marriage you know you have to work at it every day you have to try to make things better um even even when times are very tough um and and go back to our basics um and it's 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 not easy um and we've had a lot of families ripped apart lately uh, for various reasons. And um, we need to t- try and collectively work to make it a better place. I agree with you entirely. It's um, That's the goal every day for me, too. Let's try, let's try to bring some bring everyone together. Like you're saying, you know, I, I know people of all different walks of life. And I think basically most people at their core are, are good people. I just think that, you know, different life experiences. And I feel like there's a lot of talking past each other a lot of times. And so, yeah, hopefully yeah. this show helps yeah. bring, bring people together. 
Um, and we just have to, you know, there's there's some to me education is so important. Um, and I I say this with the kids when I go into the school is education is the key to freedom. Yeah. And ignorance to me is the root of all evil. It I is truly, truly believe that. So we need to um, really work on educating our children and and parents. I ask them to please take time to work with your children, read to them from a very early age. If you if you start reading to your children early, that will be a lifelong thing that they'll they'll carry with them and pass on. Right. Yeah. Reading is such and that a good bonding is so important, you know, that you can't ever get those years back where you read to your children and tell stories and stuff. That's uh, so valuable in oh, so yeah. many ways. And that is and that is part of the legacy of To Kill a Mockingbird that, you know, the novel, it is such a seminal part, partly because it's that coming of age, you know, novel, but it's, it's a novel that's perfect for kids to read. I mean, I remember reading it. I'm sure everybody does, you know, they pick it up at, and read it at a young age, it helps them get into reading, um, you know, and the be and by the end of the book, they're dealing with some mature stuff, you know, at the beginning, it's just coming of age, playing out in the street with your friends. And by the end, it's really the most heavy social commentary themes, you know, political stuff that you could deal with. So talk about when, when did you discover the novel? Because, you know, un unlike us who, you know, <laughs> read it in a class and probably watched the movie at the same time, uh, the book was only out, what, like two years before the movie came out. So did you even get a chance to read it? Were you old enough to read it? Or what was that experience for you? With no, I knew nothing about the book. I knew nothing about the whole piece because I don't even think we got complete scripts. Right. Uh, and the reason being that in that day and time, there were subjects and um, that were deemed inappropriate for females and, and children. Um, and I, I'm not sure that's not a half bad way of thinking about things today but there were words that were used that um they felt were not good for us to hear um so uh, the, the trial scene all of that i never was exposed to any of that i knew nothing about that right uh and and it wasn't until i saw the film that i saw the complete story and, right. and what it was about. Right. And I just remember um, sitting there in the theater in tears, you know, just totally um, hmm. awestruck. <laughs> right, right. By, say, by what happened. Miss Jean Louise, stand up. Your father's passing. Uh, you know, when you're when you're acting it, you probably it probably means one thing, but when you actually watch it in the context of the movie after the they lost this important court case, I mean, it, it, as a movie, movie, it is a ver movies as a verb. It moves you that scene for sure. Yes, it was it was very good and very powerful, and I can remember at I guess it was the AFI awards, um, and I took my daughter with me and i told her i said i need you to go out to the lobby and bring me a stack of napkins 
And I showed her, you know, like a 10-inch stack of napkins. She's like, oh, what do you want with this? I'm like, just go get the napkins. Because I was sitting next to Brock Peters. And um, the pecs were behind us. And I knew that I was going to cry. Well, the whole audience cried. Oh, my God. In that scene, it's just... You could hear uh, it was it was so emotional for everyone in that room. It was amazing. Yeah, you should have uh, you should have so, passed you should have passed napkins out to the whole crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, we went through that and more. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh wow! Well, part of it too is that Elmer Bernstein music. You know that 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 just tugs at your heartstrings. It is just all it's a it's it iconic. Does. Um, well, Mary, well, well real quick, did, did you ever double back and read the novel after or did you just ride with the film and, and you say, I'm good? I didn't, didn't read the novel until my daughter was like, I think about two years old and Professor Inge from the college called and said, would you please come and talk to my English lit class? And I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to talk to this English lit class about, but um, okay. So he said, well, let's meet for lunch. And uh, talk about how we're going to do this. Okay, so we meet for lunch. And before I even get seated, he's like, so what was your favorite part of the book? I was like, um. <laughs> and I guess he could tell by the look on my face, I had not read the book. Young lady, your first assignment is you go home and you read this book. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I did. And uh, here were all these characters that I knew nothing about. Um and it really gave me a more complete uh, look, view of the of the story. Yeah, uh, it was it was quite an education. Oh yeah, and crazy um, to think so. crazy to think that it was Harper Lee's only novel. They they say that she might have contributed to um, Truman Capote's in Cold Blood, like helped him write that. Which I know uh, Dill the character is sort of a stand-in for Capote in a lot of ways. But um, did you act? Did you ever stay in touch with Harper Lee? Did you ever get to meet her? Oh yeah, she she came on the set. She was supposed to stay for like three weeks. Um, she ended up spending like I think a week or a little bit more. Um, I mean, filming is very boring <laughs> to watch it in process unless you're actively working in it. It's, it's pretty boring to watch. Yeah. And after after about a week, she was ready to leave and go back to New York. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we met there and we did some press together. And uh, I used to go to Monroeville once a year for the play that they do there. Uh, that they performed in Israel and in front of Congress. And uh, Miss Nell, uh, I knew where she lived, and I went by there one time, and she had some a car there from out of town, and so I thought, well, she's got company. I'm not going to bother. And then uh, over the next few years, I wasn't able to go. But then the next time I saw her was after she had gone into the nursing home and her minister, uh, Reverend Butts, was going over to go visit her. And he said, well, why don't you ride along? So I did. And I said, Miss Nell, I'm so sorry, uh, you know, about not coming to visit you, but I didn't want to disturb you. And she goes, young lady, don't you ever come by here that you don't come by and say hey to me. 
ma'am. Okay. <laughs> That's what Harper Lee said. That's what she said. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least you got to go see her. Yeah. Before she passed. That's amazing. Yeah. I was, I was really, I was disheartened and I don't want to sidetrack too much on this, but I, I was sad to see, you know, the late in life with the whole trying to, should they publish that, you know, what was it? Go set a watchman or whatever. And it was like a first, it turned out to be like a first draft of, and then she changed a bunch yeah. of the characters and it almost seemed like yeah. she didn't really want it released, but who, who knows whether the estate, you know, afterlife or whatever, I, but I, don't know about any of that i can't really comment on any of that um, yeah i'm glad we got mockingbird as it was and not not what came out later it's a, it's i a think so you know i i i think it's an interesting study for a um writing class right to show how an author goes through the push and pull of characters and storyline uh and then you know hones it down into what we have now um i think it's valuable in that sense yeah yeah definitely absolutely um i guess you've been really generous with your time thanks i didn't know we'd even get to talk this long i appreciate it i guess sort of sort of just sort of in closing before we bring it back to the kennedy center but just big picture you know the legacy and the power of and how much it changed it literally changed history to kill a mockingbird the, the 1960 novel and the 1962 film i mean that they came out before i mean the i have a dream speech was 1963 these things came out even before that to just kind of kind of show mm -hmm. where where society was and you know civil rights movement and stuff um just talk about sort of the legacy of it i mean i know with, with anything that was made that many decades ago we can always you know pick holes in it from you know now looking back you know oh is atticus a white savior etc cetera, etc cetera. we can pick holes you know from our current context now but i always try to remind people like you need to judge where it was at the time i mean it we would exactly. not we would not be where we are today and be able to even have these you know very ultra progressive conversations looking back on it we couldn't even we wouldn't even be at this point without the earth shattering thing that M mockingbird did in the early 60s so i guess just talking in terms of you know how much you really think it, it changed society for the better well i i think it was a very good um educational tool in the fact that it was told from a child's point of view um, and that was very intentional and that it allowed us to talk about subjects that were known but not discussed openly. Um, and this allowed us to go through those uh, different subject matter uh, and, and topics to where we could have rational discussions about them and digest it on our own individual level uh, in order to discuss it further and to, to make inroads into making things better. Um, and I think that's kind of where we are today. I mean, we're still, we're still learning these lessons. We're still having, I, I never, never would have dreamed that we would be where we are now, that we would have to still be having this discussion uh, in 2022. Uh, I, I'm just, 
totally blown away by what's happened in the last four years, six years. Uh, and this, I am hoping, will be the balm to heal our country yeah. again. <laughs> we keep having to do this again <laughs> i know i know i know it, it's so true you know it's we all we all thought maybe naively at the time you know uh, you know first black president post-racial society you know and then and we and but then how many years after that here here we are we, we feel it seems like we keep taking one step forward three steps back and so we need we need this we need this bomb we need this bomb to kill a mockingbird coming to the kennedy center and all all the towns around the country thank you for providing that bomb um i guess just sort of you know before we run you know catch us up on you know what all you've done since that movie you know and what brought you from there to kennedy center because this is one of your first time you said acting on stage was sort of like a this thing you know new to you i know i know i guess you did like maybe like an episode of the twilight zone or something but for the most part you kind of you know you kind of did a harper lee you kind of stayed away from <laughs> kind of stayed away for a while but uh you know remind us uh, when did you actually get back into acting and, and do this thing for the kennedy center well i i've done films and tv shows um scattered throughout i mean you guys can probably look up the biography i don't really think about it that much um right different things have come up, but I've been busy with Mockingbird through the years, just, you know, going to high schools, colleges, and universities, and book clubs, and women's clubs, and all that. Um, so that has really never gone away, but uh, my main role now is just being grandma, and, you know, working on the farm, and then this. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'll be gone for a year and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's been quite a, a, a switch in my life to go from working on the farm to this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then uh, do, you, do you ever have any, you know, sibling rivalry of, you know, because your brother John made Saturday Night Fever and War Games and Short Circuit and all this stuff. But like it, oh, is, his it, his. His his line of work goes from here down to the end of this building. I mean, it's just, he's done so much. John is certified genius, brilliant uh, guy who, that's all he ever wanted to do was to be in film and theater. Um, that was his goal was to, to, to do that. And he studied at Yale. Uh, and was there working hard and beating his brains out trying to, you know, make it uh, through. And he gets a call from my mother. Uh, Baby sister's going to be in a movie. And he's like, what? <laughs> this, he's Back like, that's forward. what I'm, that's what I want to do. And <laughs> she gets to go in it so, <laughs> at a young age. <laughs> right. And then fast forward, um, baby sister's, uh, been nominated for an Academy Award, and I, I don't think he's ever forgiven me for that. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> right. You you probably had to be one of the, you know, to this day, probably one of the, you know, youngest nominees ever. I mean, there's only, I, there's a short list of, you know, the child stars that get nominated. So that must've been been really cool. And it just speaks to the the legacy that you'll always hold a, hold a place in our collective, you know, consciousness as Scout. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you, you were really generous with your time and it's great hearing all the memories and everything, but we want to encourage everyone to come see you um, in the newest production of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's going to be at the Kennedy Center here in the nation's capital, uh, June 21st through July 10th. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this was fantastic. Oh, you're welcome. I think we've gotten enough for, for two pieces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I like going long because I can post the full thing uh, as a, on a podcast. But yes, I'll, ch I'll chop it up and take the best highlights for the radio. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Well, but, uh, I can't wait to get home. I'm real excited. Um, and uh, please, y'all come because it's a fun evening out. Definitely. Final seconds. Can we have you say one of your iconic lines? Either, hey, Mr. Cunningham or hey, boo. <laughs> Hey, boo. Hey, Scout. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thank, <laughs> thanks so much. All right, thank you. Take care. Stay well. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.